Father, thank you for the gift we have in Jesus. Thank you that we live in light of the truth that Jesus lives. Thank you that he rose again from the dead, conquering the grave, conquering sin. Father, thank you that we have hope. And I pray today we'd reflect on that and celebrate it well. It's in Christ's matchless name I pray. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Have a seat. If you want to take your Bibles and go to first, uh, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to get there eventually. Don't you love when pastors say that? Eventually we will get there, I promise. Um, you're going to have to bear with me and forgive me just for this morning. Actually, it's for every morning, honestly. I tend to be a little bit rabbit traily and all over the place, and my ADD shows often. Some of you really appreciate that, and some of you, it drives you crazy. Um, this morning will be particularly ADD-driven, so, like I like to say, buckle up. Uh, two quick things. First of all, um, we will pay for sunscreen next week, for those of you that sit in the sun. <laughs> Mike, your head is glowing, man. <laughs> um, second, how many of you, with a raising of your hand, would say, I am proud to say this, I'm happy to say this, I will boast in this, I have already messed up my New Year's resolutions. Raise your hand. Amen. Look, you are among brothers and sisters. We understand. Now, one thing that we get to enjoy as church staff is when it comes to New Year's resolutions, it means January, the house is packed. Most of the time, you're like, I'm going to make a resolution. I'm going to go to church every week. And sometimes it's your mom saying, we're making a resolution. You're going to church every week. So we're glad you're here. If you're a guest with us, we're thankful you're here. If you're a newcomer to Uniontown, I want to invite you personally to join us next weekend on the 22nd, immediately after our second service, where we're going to have a lunch called Discover Uniontown. It'll give you a chance to get to know who we are. You can sign up for that out in the lobby immediately after the service. And so we'll, you just walk out, you'll see signs, it'll say Discover Uniontown, you put your name on there, and we will spam you for the next three years, okay? Cool. You with me yet? Happy Playoff Sunday. <laughs> well, that's about right. <laughs> so we kicked off this series last week. It's a unique series. It's a different series. Comes with little cards. Anything magical about the cards? No. But I do want to ask this question. How many of you were able to hand out a Grace Bomb card this week following the series? Raise your hand. Praise God. Praise God. How many of you were able to serve somebody else and didn't even use the card? Raise your hand. You know that's what we're going for, right? That's the real win. I think Pat did a great job last week of reminding us the cards aren't anything special or magical. The cards are training wheels. The cards are reminders. We were just talking about it back in the kitchen with the worship team before we prayed and started our service. Just having that card in front of you is a reminder of what you're supposed to be doing. You're living with intentionality, and that's what we want to talk about this morning, is living with intentionality. Being a people who flesh out and live out the fact that they have been built by grace. But you've got to understand what grace is first, right? So, so to understand grace, you need to understand where you were before you received grace. You, you were born a sinner. You were guilty of breaking God's law. You were enemies with God and deserving of death, and with all of that bad news, you were absolutely unable and incapable about changing your status with God by yourself. But there's this really cool truth we find in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. 
says this, but God, but God who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, he made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in our trespasses. You are saved by grace. That's what grace is, that God would make us alive. This is grace, that God would save us. I read a definition this week of grace, that God is treating sinners better than they deserve. That's grace. And it's a gift. God has paid the full cost of the gift. It's a free gift given to you in your brokenness, in spite of your inability, in spite of your sin. The cost has been paid, and that cost was his son, Jesus Christ. The eternal son of God, Philippians chapter two, starting in verse six, tells us that he, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be exploited. Instead, Jesus emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, and he took upon himself the likeness of humanity. (laughs) And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on a cross. Why would he do that? Colossians chapter one tells us that once you were alienated and hostile in your minds, this was expressed in your evil actions, but but now Jesus Christ, he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. That's grace. And when you receive a gift that big, it comes with some implications. Pat talked about this last week, Ephesians 2, starting in verse 8. For you have been saved by grace through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It's God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast, for we are his workmanship. That word workmanship is poema. It's the word, the Greek word where we get our word poem from. You have been, you're his workmanship, You've been formed, fashioned, written as a poem, designed and created in Jesus Christ to do good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Are you doing them? And you've been saved by faith. This is in the grace of God pouring out of you. You are saved because of what God did for you, not because of anything you have done, but he saved you with a purpose in mind. Are you fulfilling your purpose? Are you his workmanship? Are you acting like his workmanship? Are you, are you an effective light of the world? Are you providing warmth to those people around you so that they long to understand What's motivating this warmth that's coming from you? What is it in you that's created this light that we keep seeing from you? What makes you different? Are you living like an effective light of the world? Okay, now 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I think this gives us just a a little peek of what what we're supposed to do. And I don't have time to go into all the intricate details and all the the pieces and the parts, and I'm gonna kind of jump sort of in the middle of uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 13, okay? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 13. We get a picture of what it looks like to be wrecked by grace. (laughs) Verse 13, one of the craziest verses in scripture. Paul says this. Now, if we're out of our mind, it's for God. All right, there you go. You can use that any way you wish. Are you crazy? Just for God, brother. 
So if we are out of our mind, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. The love of Christ compels us. Since we have reached this conclusion that one died for all and therefore all died. He died for all. So that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. See, from now on then, we don't know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old passed away. See, the new, the new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Not counting their trespasses against them is and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us therefore we are ambassadors for Christ since God is making his appeal through us so we plead on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let me, let me just say this at the onset, man. If you're here this morning, you have no idea what these words are that we're talking about. Like reconciliation. I mean, I think my, my parents and I have done forgiveness things. No, this is between you and God. And if there's nothing else that you walk out of here hearing this morning, hear this. Please know that in your brokenness, in your sin, God didn't just go, Psh, that one screwed up, I'm done with him. No, God reached out from heaven with his son to take your place on the cross so that if you would put your faith and trust in him, you can experience the fullness of the grace of God in your life. So may I, as Paul has commanded me to do right here, beg you, be reconciled to God. There's nothing more important than that. And for those of you here who are reconciled to God, man, Paul lays this out and says, listen, there's, there's, there's a description here for us of, of what it looks like for a person who's, who's just been wrecked by grace. And, and please, I, I love that terminology, and I want to make sure you understand it. To be wrecked by grace doesn't mean your life has been ruined. It means your life has been turned upside down by grace. And if you've come into contact with the real living Savior, Jesus Christ, and your life hasn't been wrecked, I don't think you met the real living Savior, Jesus Christ. So what does it look like to have your life wrecked by grace? Well, when your life is wrecked by grace, you don't do what everyone else assumes is normal. That's that phrase, we, we're out of our mind, that's for God. What that looks like is people looking at you saying, what has gotten into him? There's something different going on here. I mean, with Paul, who in their right mind makes such huge changes in their life Going from persecuting the church of God, seeking the death of those who are preaching that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and then suddenly, like that, becomes somebody who is preaching that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Well, something happened here. What, what is it that happened? Who in their right mind makes that shift? Who in their right mind leaves years of philosophical and religious advancement, training, promises of, of the next step, the, the next position. Who in their right mind, okay, 
Who in their right mind walks back into a city that just tried to stone him to death? (laughs) Hey, I'm back! Only somebody who is so committed to God that he shows little to no regard or concern for himself. Paul loved these Corinthian people. That right there means he's out of his mind. Study 1 Corinthians. Can I tell you a little bit about the church at Corinth? I mean, you, you want to talk about crazy college kids on spring, spring break who are dancing around with lampshades on their head. Corinthians. And I'm cleaning it way up. Who in their right mind would look at this church and not just say, write that one off. We got lots of other churches. Don't worry about that one. Oh, he's not writing them off. Because he loves these people. Well, why would such a great man love a church of such jacked up people? Because a person who's been wrecked by grace is driven to see people as God sees people. Look, 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 look what he says, verse 14. The love of Christ compels us, it constrains us, it leaves us no choice. So verse 16, we don't know anyone from a worldly perspective. We no longer see people according to our categories. We have a lot of categories, don't we? (laughs) But we stop. We don't see them as rich or poor anymore. We don't see them as male or female or liberal or conservative or black or white or Democrat or Republican. We don't see them that way anymore. The way you look at every person is the way that God looks at every person What is their standing as it relates to Jesus? That's what matters. That's what matters. In or out. A person who's been wrecked by grace lives a life of intentionality. They are compelled, driven. They are left no option because of the love that Jesus has shown him through grace. So now we are to be the ambassadors of grace. Our message, our our lives Our drive, our purpose is to live like when you're in Christ, there's hope. Live like your citizenship is in a different place. Live like Jesus loves the least of these because he loved you. We carry the the message of grace to a people, and I'm going to get into this in a couple minutes here, but but we carry the message of grace to a people who, who find it strange, one, that they need grace, and two, that they could possibly ever have grace. So, so how do we live with intentionality? H- how do we do this, this grace bomb thing with intentionality where we get to the place where the training wheels come off and we no longer are like, oh, well, that's right, I'm supposed to do something today because Frank's going to ask me next week. How do we get to that place where we live with intentionality first? You ready? Be aware. Have an understanding of the grace that you've been shown by God. Understand that your life has been turned upside down. And and when you look at Paul, he never got over this upside down thing. His entire life became about this message. He's like, you're you're not going to believe what I have in Jesus. And you can have it too. 
Be, be aware of what you have in Christ. That love of Christ leaves you no choice. Do you get it or no? So, so be aware. Secondly, ask the Holy Spirit to show you how you can be a light to the world around you today. Before you head out the door, I don't know what your, your um, traditions are or what your uh, routine is in the morning. Um, I used to have one. Um, I don't have a routine in the morning anymore. Until I get here, then I've got a very good routine. But in the morning, my routine usually is, I remembered pants, right? Okay, good. So, but I don't know what your routine is. Maybe something you add to your routine is when you grab your keys, you stop just for a second and say, God, I pray your spirit would open my eyes to the needs around me so that I might represent you well. Make me aware of people who need grace. And then listen to the nudge the Holy Spirit gives your heart, because he does. He will. I, Mike Shadle just said amen, and he is a perfect example of this. This dude texts me all the time and says, brother, I just prayed this for you. And it's like, how did you know? Because the Holy Spirit was like, hey, Mike. Hey, Mike. Uh, a pastor that I worked with when I first became a pastor, Rob Clark, um, it was before I was on staff officially, we were doing a pastor's meeting, and he came to the meeting, and he handed me this stack of cards. Okay, two things. One, if you've ever seen my handwriting, you know I'm not a card guy. I, it's, I, can st <laughs> um, I write as big as I can, and that's like this big. It's tiny, tiny. So if you've ever gotten a note from me, you know. Um, second thing, I don't remember the second thing, so it mustn't have been that important. So just suffice it to say I'm not a card guy. <laughs> and I was like, Rob, what are you doing, man? I, it's kind of weird pastor. He's like, yeah, you are. And this is your assignment before you get on staff. Any person that comes to mind from our church this week, I want you to just write them a card to say, hey, listen, you came to mind this week, and I'm going to let you know I'm praying for you. And drop it in the mail. I'm like, okay, whatever. He's like, Frank, take this seriously. I don't know why he thought I wouldn't take it seriously, but um, so I did. And I, uh, in two or three weeks, I sent out like 20, 25 cards. Um, had my next meeting with him. He's like, how'd you do? And I'm like, I got most of them. And he's like, man, Frank. I'm like, I tried, man. And he goes, hey, can I tell you something? I'm like, yeah. He goes, I know you got most of them. You know why? I'm like, why? He goes, because some of the people that I've been meeting with said, you weren't going to believe this. I had the worst day at work, and I was ready to drop right back into all the junk that I'd finally gotten out of. And I got this card from this Frank Taylor dude who said, man, I, I, I don't know why you came to mind, and Rob's making me send you a card. So praying for you. And so they told Rob, they're like, how come you're making him send a card? He's like, because I think that's the Holy Spirit. Was it the Holy Spirit? And they said, absolutely. Rob Clark sends more cards than any, any other human being I've ever met. And nine times out of ten, it's a direct prompt from the Holy Spirit at the exact right time for the person that he's sending them to. Listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever gotten a phone call from one of your elders or deacons or pastors here at Uniontown? And gotten off the call like, that was weird. Were they checking in on me? Did I not send my tithe this week? We don't do that, so don't worry. But for some reason, you came to mind. So we don't want to just pray for you. We want to tell you we're praying for you. That's the Holy Spirit. Be aware. Listen. And finally, just look at the people around you. And listen to them. 
Listen, that, that really ties us to our next point. Don't just be aware, be present. Be present. How can you be the light of the world if you're not anywhere near the world? Isn't that something like hide under a bushel? No, right? How can you love other people and not be near people? Okay, now, now let, me, let me be honest. This brings a real honest question for a lot of us as we're handed the cards, as we walk in or walk out. And then we're like, hey, did you do your card? And people are, and I'm, I love it. I love listening to people holding each other accountable. By the way, let me just say this real quick. Your Dunkin' Donuts Grace Bomb game is strong. The people at Tony Town Dunkin' Donuts are like, what's this Grace Bomb thing? Because you guys are all like, this one's easy. Grace Bomb, bam. Um, so anyway, sorry, that was free. Um, real honest question. When you consider this stuff, the <laughs> Does anybody even like grab it like, ah, oh, more guilt? Right? This is another resolution that I don't stand a chance of making happen. I don't have any time. I mean, I work, I take classes, I have a family, I attempt to have a social life. I mean, what, what do I have time to do? I mean, how, how can I do? Listen, this isn't about adding presence, it's about being present. Where are you? Be there. Too often, we're just like, off to the next thing, pew, off to the next thing, pew. No, no, wherever you are, be there. Why? Because you're there on purpose. God doesn't coordinate things by happenstance. You are there by divine appointment, prepared beforehand. In that moment, in that season, you have been called to be there with intentionality. So be there. Where? Don't, don't complicate this. I'm going to give you four places, just to keep it simple. You ready? Be at home. That's a tough one, right? Be at home with your family or your extended family, whoever it might be. Pay attention and listen to your family members, your extended family members. Then, then work or school, wherever you spend the bulk of your day, right? Maybe, maybe you're off to the office. Man, listen to your coworkers. Pay attention. You are there on purpose. I know, I need the money. No, you are there for them. School. <laughs> oh, you know where I go to school. Yeah, that's why you're there. Hey, this doesn't start when you turn 18. Listen to the people around you. Where you do errands, and that's a weird one, but let me explain that. When you go out and you do your business, you do your grocery shopping, you stop at Starbucks, you're a barista, or Dunkin' Donuts, and those people, I think they're sick of us. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, you're the, the person who checking, <laughs> I always say it like that, it comes out of the person checking you out um, at the grocery store. Um, <laughs> It's a little awkward, but that keeps coming out every time I say that. Um, well, it doesn't matter. But wherever you are going and doing business, hey, that person standing there is created in the image of God and needs to know what grace looks like. That's why God sent you there. And then in your neighborhood, and it is the Sesame Street. These are the people that you meet when you're walking down the street, the people that you meet each day. So if you're in your kid's soccer game, basketball games, whatever it might be, if it's your actual neighbors, man, th that's a place to be present. Don't just go and be like, cool, I'm going to be on Instagram all afternoon while I sit here at my kid's soccer match. No. Be present. And be active. When you see something and you feel that nudge of the Holy Spirit in your life, and you will see it and feel it if you are looking for it. Do something. Well, man, I don't, I don't know what to do. Listen, God has given you a bucket to draw out of. That bucket includes your time, your talent, 
your treasure, and your tools. You use any of those things to, to serve the people around you. You use any of those things to, to grace bomb the people that are there. Because that's what you have been called to. Remember Ephesians 2.10? For we are his workmanship, his poem. This is the purpose that he created us in Christ Jesus for. Good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. I don't know, pay for somebody's tank of gas. I mean, that's getting more expensive. Is a tank of gas going to reconcile them to God? No. But they may start to ask the right questions. There are people who desperately need, even if it's in the smallest of ways, to see what grace looks like because we live in a graceless society. Our culture is all about what you earn and what you deserve. Our, our world cannot comprehend for a moment that God would give us something freely and in spite of us being who we are. A free gift, that's one of those things that they, they talk about at the timeshare that you never get, right? No, 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 this is a real free gift. And grace, grace is this complete scandalous idea because people are just waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? I mean, to show vulnerability, to admit a need for something, to admit a need for something as powerful as grace, you've got to admit that you don't deserve it. And, and our culture eats weakness. These people need to see what grace looks like because they are skeptical and they're unwilling to trust. They've been burned before. I love you. Church, you know I love you. Many of these people have been burned by someone who should know better. The person talks about grace, how free it is, how the worst of sinners is welcome at the foot of the cross, and then somehow turns it around and starts viewing people with the categories that culture has set up. Oh, you're just one of those. That does not sound like grace. I thought you said I was welcome but the way you're talking now surely seems I need to clean myself up before I'm welcome. So you're, you're leaving Jerusalem and you're heading home after a, a long week. You're walking down this, this dusty road to head home because it's the best way to get there. It's a little sketchy though. It's become known as the bloody way. It's known for Thieves. It's known for brutal attacks. But you've got to go 17 miles. You want to get home. It's the most direct route, and you've done it before, so why not, right? It seems to be going well. I don't know, maybe you made it five or six miles down the road. Maybe you're whistling, thinking about getting home, talking about the business you had to do in Jerusalem with your family, when, when suddenly from behind the rocks, these armed men jump you. And they begin to beat you. And you, you feel every blow. And you cry and you ask, please stop. Take whatever you want. And they do. They take everything, including your clothes. They take it all. 
but they keep beating you, and they keep beating you until you stop moving, lying on the side of the road. Then they finally scurry away. And as you're laying on the side of the road, you realize you are, you are in and out of consciousness. Right? You're, you're, it's dark, and then, and then you hear something, but then you, you, you can't, and you're trying to build it up. Every time you come to, it's like, I, I've got to get enough strength and then you lose consciousness again. And then, then one of those times you, you start to come to and you, you're looking down the road as you're laying with your face up against the dirt, the, the mud underneath where your drool and blood have mingled with your face and you, you look down the road and you see sandals coming to you and you, you gain just enough strength to look up and you see, oh, it's a priest. It's a priest and you, you can't get the words out Nothing's coming, and you, you start to fade, but, but you fight to stay in, right? You fight to stay in, and you watch the priest, and you see his sandals go to the other side of the road. It just keeps walking. You lie there for another hour. Then you see more sandals. This time you have enough strength to make at least a Help! And you connect eyes with the Levite, the man who works in the temple with the priest, one of your religious and spiritual leaders, one of the assistants in worship who locks eyes with you and his chin begins to quiver and he passes by the other side as fast as he can, leaving you in the side of the road. I think at that time you, you begin to think this is, this is how I'm going to die. This is it. And you give it one more attempt to, to move yourself, but the excruciating pain comes in like another knife and you lose consciousness again. And it's dark. And as you start to come to, you feel yourself being carried. And you want to fight, but you can't. You stir a little, you, you moan. And the man who's carrying you begins to speak with you. Hang, hang in there, buddy. Hang in there, listen, I, I'm gonna take care of you. I just need to get you, I gotta get you someplace safe. I gotta, I'm gonna get you on top of my donkey. I'm gonna get you on my, I'm gonna bring you someplace safe. Just, just hang in there. And as you begin to lose consciousness again, you're thinking, I know that accent. I know that accent, that why of all people is a Samaritan helping me? How, how is this even possible? The Samaritans hate us. The story of the Good Samaritan, Luke chapter 10, tells us that when the Samaritan comes upon the man lying on the side of the road near death, he, uh, he, he has a word that I taught you before, and I'm going to share it with you again, because it's, it's a great word. It's a wonderful word in the Greek, and it's this, splagnizo. Oh, what an ugly word. It's awesome. Splagnizo. And that word means compassion. It means this, this gut-wrenching feeling that leads to action.
splagnitza. You have been built by the grace of God through the finished work of Jesus Christ. He has called you to be his hands and his feet to a people who desperately need to experience grace. Splagnitza. When you view other people, do you view them in the boxes that you have built or culture has built for them? Or are you viewing them the way God sees them? A person who is in true, desperate need. The Samaritan came along. Jesus uses a story to speak to a, a lawyer who's, who's got ill intentions in his conversation with Jesus. And he says, listen, the, 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 the Samaritan came along in Splagnito. He had compassion and the lawyer's like, well, well, who's my neighbor? And, and Jesus turns the question around him and says, no, 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 that's the wrong question. Who's the one that acted like a neighbor? Go and do likewise. Friend, our world desperately needs to know that there is a God who loves them, who wants to pour his grace out on them, and you are the mouthpiece of that grace. It doesn't matter if it's, it's at home, at work, at school, when you run out and do your errands in your neighborhood. It doesn't matter if it's your time, your talent, your treasure, or your tools. How will you show grace to the one next to you today? Would you pray with me, Father? We close our time. I, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you that you, that you have given us a savior. I thank you for Jesus and, and what he has done for us what we could never have done for ourselves. God, I, I, I pray, I pray that you would awaken us and remind us of the grace that we've experienced and may we, may we be the agents of your grace to a world around us who desperately need it. We ask these things in Christ's name, amen. Amen, we are jumping right into one of my favorite things in the entire world, Mark Button taking a bath. <laughs> This morning, we get to do baptisms together. We get to do baptism. What is baptism? Baptism is not washing away your sin. See, the people who are coming to get baptized this morning, their sin's already been washed away. Jesus Christ already took care of that. What's happening right now in this moment, in this pool, or a number of people are gonna come and they're gonna share their story with you about how they have placed their faith and trust in Jesus and in Jesus alone. And then they are following Jesus' example and his command to be baptized. This is a picture it's a picture of the death of Jesus as we lower them to the water, the burial of Jesus as we place them beneath the water, and then the resurrection of Jesus as we victoriously pull them out, and they are raised to live their new life, and they're declaring to you, their church family, that they want to be identified with Christ, not with anyone else, not with anything else in the world, but Christ and Christ alone. This is your first time at Uniontown during one of our baptism services. I need to warn you. We're a pretty casual place to begin with. Baptisms pushes it to a whole nother level because this is something to celebrate. And so when they come out of the water, folks, I'm telling you, you can watch the first one, but you're not going to be able to help but get involved in the two or three, four after that because we celebrate the fact, just like there's celebration in the presence of angels when one comes to repentance. Have you thought about that for a minute? Who's celebrating? It's not the angels someone in the presence of the angels. 
Who might that be? Isn't it wonderful to know that our God rejoices over us with singing? And so we, we're gonna be his choir this morning when these people get baptized. All right, I make you wait long enough, Zach? <laughs> Amen. It's up to you guys. Go for it. <laughs> 